You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet. Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. First and foremost, I feel like there's no other way to start off a brand new year with the following. Marie, guess what? (laughs) (laughs) What? I wouldn't buy anything with Velcro. Do you know why? (laughs) No, why? It's a total ripoff. Welcome to a new episode of For the Love of Sport. Honestly, it's probably good you let in with a dad joke based on the theme of today's podcast episode is all about sports parenting and raising empowered little athletes. Dad jokes is a requirement. Dad jokes is a, is a requirement. I'm certain that there's like a full on chapter in this book that we're going to discuss shortly about dad jokes, their importance, the impact that they have. And actually, we'll just have a whole episode on just dad jokes. But before we do that, new year, kind of new podcast because we just we're expanding, we're growing, we're trying to you know do new things and try new things and bring a new experience. And to that end, we are going to bring in for the very first time, well, except for the holiday episode, producer Joe who's also going to be acting as Game Master. Let the games yeah. begin. Yeah, there he we is. Have, there's Joe. Yeah, we have, we have a new style. segment. Some youth sports, sports holistic shenanigans. I love it. So the way this is going to work is we've got a couple of categories for you guys. Some Great. questions may be easy. Most will not be. Um, <laughs> but with that, here's how we're going to play. So there is a wheel involved. And Ooh. there will be... Four total rounds, two for each of you. You'll each get a question in okay. each round. Okay. There are a handful of categories. The categories are mascot, mayhem. Yes. Name that sport. Youth okay. sports stars. Team time travel. Fields of dream. Olympic <laughs> oddities. And cinematic scoreboard. Whoa. Ooh. Can we? Well, just- I know which one Simon's picking. <laughs> Well, I think I might oh, take a mascot. Get to pick. You don't Shoot. get to pick. The wheel You're picks. spinning the wheel. Yeah, the wheel, wheel. is going to pick. Uh, yeah. The wheel. I'm, like the I'm uncontrollably excited. <laughs> All right, let's get this wheel going. All right. You're going to have to just play Where's along with you? me. Yeah, trust yeah. you on where it lands. All right. So <laughs> who's going to spin first? Simon. I'll spin. I got it. Nobody, yeah, nobody jump yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah nobody. <laughs> okay, Simon, ready? You are spinning. Field of Dreams. Ooh. That was my favorite right. category name, so I'll take it. Your question. Okay. This is my favorite question on the entire list, so this is perfect. <laughs> Sweet. This is going to be the- really hard, that means. <laughs> the... KFC Yum Center plays host to what NCAA men's and women's program? <laughs> First of all, what not a sponsored name for, for a not sports sponsored. complex. The Yum Center. God, I would love the just KFC to like, be, a, be a fly in the wall of just everyone just going, just going. Oh, you heading to the Yum today? Yeah, I'm heading to the Yum yeah. today. Yeah, we're gonna watch. We're gonna watch a game. Just go casually to the Yum. KFC Yum. Really stress Center. that KFC. Like, yeah. that's just your hint you're going to get. Yeah, it's a good hint. We're going to Kentucky. So I, it's got to be within the general area of that Kentucky and Cincinnati area, that little hub. So it's got to be either Kentucky itself, Louisville, or Cincinnati. I'm going to go Louisville. Louisville Cardinals. You are correct. Let's go! Wow. That's so annoying. Wow. Going to All the right. center. On the way. That was, that was pretty good. Very impressive. Logic, logic prevailed. All right, Marie. Oh, great. You are up. Let's hope you get it wrong. <laughs> Let's go. Spin that wheel. 
Name that sport. Okay, very good. We used to do this game, so I feel still ill-equipped because I'm sure it's going to be hard, but I'm ready. All right, this sport is played on a field, and teams use mallets to hit a small, hard ball through the opposing team's goalpost, all whilst riding something. What is the name of this sport? Whilst. Oh, good whilst. use of the word whilst. Uh, I can, I can, um, I'm watching it in my head, but for some reason I don't know the name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do I get to can you get? Can you get the thing that's being ridden? That's a horse, right? Yes. Okay. So you're the like, you're like halfway. There's a jockey horse ball. <laughs> you're so close. A yeah. mallet. Um, Simon got a good hint, so I'll help you out. Yeah. The name of the sport is also a brand. You got this. Use that marketing mind. (laughs) It has horse in it? Well, it has a horse in the logo. (laughs) I have no idea. Polo. Polo. Oh, yeah. Polo. Polo. The logo is is a horse and the guy with a mallet. No. Yes, I could picture polo. it. I could picture like the, you know, they always go to like polo matches and like rom coms and stuff when it's like the pretentious. What <laughs> yeah. more romantic? Yeah. Loves, like, loves polo. Every rom com ever. <laughs> such a, such, so. Just a classic trope. <laughs> All right, Simon, are yeah. you ready for your second question? I am absolutely ready. Your category is team. Time travel. God, okay. This is this is a little bit of a toughie. I'm intrigued. Your question. The shot heard round the world is a historic baseball moment. For what team did Bobby Thompson hit the famous home run that led his team to victory? I thought it was Babe Ruth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, Babe Ruth, the shot heard around the world. Wrong. <laughs> this is this is the subject. My brother Ben. Dear, is a dear listener, and he is screaming at whatever audio <laughs> device. answer. Yeah. yeah, he's just over and over again. Just yell. he's texting me as we speak, like as he's listening to this. Probably Pop your down. hint. Okay, this is a historic franchise that has since been relocated. Okay. Names say the same, but been relocated. Brooklyn Dodgers. No, oh, oh, very close. That's the a answer good. was. The New York Giants. Oh. Wah, both wah. both teams very, go to California. Interesting. It, yeah. Exactly. Interesting. All right, Marie. Nice, good one. Nice one. Good All question. right. Are you ready to spin the wheel? I'm ready. Spin. All right. That wheel. Youth sports stars. Youth there are, sports there stars. Are handful, there are a handful of okay. good ones. Okay. Okay. This is recent, too. At 18, this tennis prodigy became the youngest winner of a Grand Slam singles title in the Open era. Who is this young star? Very recent. Coco Goff. Correct. Yes. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. We're gonna we're gonna keep a tally of your point totals, and at the end of the season, tied up. We're gonna compare, and there's gonna be a huge prize. A huge prize. Producer Joe and producer. Kelsey are going to put together. Well, thank you, producer Joe and producer Kelsey. Yeah. Every wow. week we're putting away a little bit of money towards our prize. So at the end of the year, it's going to be huge. I'm oh going to start studying. Are these consistent yeah. themes? <laughs> yeah. oh, these are the same themes every week. Okay. 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 So dear listener, you can study too and play along. Next oh, I love it. I love it. Producer Joe, well done. Let's give a, well done. let's just give a round of applause for that. Well done with the games. Let's go right into our guest. Kirsten Jones is an author, motivational speaker, peak performance coach, and youth sports mom. You may know her from her podcast, Raising Athletes, or from her new book, which is a top 20 parenting book, Raising Empowered Athletes. Kirsten brings us a wealth of knowledge on all things parenting in this new youth sports world we live in. Kirsten played many sports growing up, but volleyball was really the one that stuck for her. She played Division I volleyball in college and is a member of the 2018 Hall of Fame class at her alma mater, College William Mary, which is just absolutely phenomenal in and of itself. We'll dive into that. So, listener, we cannot wait for you to get to know Kirsten, hear her knowledge. We're going to talk about the book. We're going to get into it. It's going to be a good time. So with that, Kirsten, 
Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. We've been planning this for a couple months, and I think the timing is just perfect. We've got so much ground to cover, and your audience is the perfect one to be sharing this book and this work with. So thank you for having me. A hundred percent. We we could not agree more. And I think every time we've had, dear listener, to let you in, we've had this scheduled for a while and it'll come up and then for whatever reason, we got to move it back. But every time the week comes and Simon and I get so excited because we had such a great conversation with you when we met you for the first time. So yeah, we're super excited. We're going to start though, before we dive into all the juicy bits, the book, your knowledge (laughs) with where it all began for you with your own youth sports experience. We like to ask all of our guests kind of, it's really the fabric that connects us all, right? We all had an experience. We all played youth sports. We'd love to hear about your experience. Yeah. So wonderfully, this is the first time this has ever happened to me, but all three of us have this connection to Missoula, Montana. Yeah. That's where I grew up. Woo! Go Grizz! Go Grizz! Um, I am so fortunate. My parents weren't from there, but they decided my dad was a doctor, and when he graduated for, or did his residency, they decided to move to Montana because they thought it was a great place to raise kids. And I like, I think everybody of the '70s and '80s generation played whatever sport was in front of them. Played basketball in the fall, and yep. skied, and did volleyball in the winter, and did track and softball, and rode horses, and snowmobiled, and all of the things. And was in the band and was in the school play. My mom's joke was always that what's great about growing up in a place like Montana is you get to do all the things. You can be on the basketball team, but at halftime, they need you to get into the band because yeah. <laughs> they need the people, right? <laughs> so they just need bodies. Like, awesome. Yeah. They need bodies. So they'll take you. And I think there's a lot of, you know, I don't know how much of my, again, success, whatever level that was came from never getting subbed out because they needed bodies. And now we live in a generation where they have so many kids on the roster and it's so pay to play so early that kids are not getting the exposure. But yes, I grew up in Montana. My parents could have cared less if I played beyond high school, like all the parents back then. But I loved anything that had a ball. And I was given the opportunity to go try out for the junior Olympic team in Colorado Springs. And the guy that was telling me about it said, you know, you might actually have a shot at making the team (laughs) because they're going to try to take kids from women from all over the United States, not just Southern California, which of course was where volleyball was, you know, Mecca. And I, I got all the way there. I'm standing in line with my barely matching knee pads and the girl in front of me is checking in and she's like, Kirsten, my name's Kirsten. And I I tapped her on the shoulder and I was like, your name's Kirsten? And she goes, yeah, why? You heard of me? And I was like, this is going to be a really hard weekend. (laughs) But I survived the weekend. I didn't make the team, but I don't know. Maybe I made the top 20 or so. I made like three of the cuts, whatever. The San Diego State assistant coach was there. I chased her down the concourse at the Denver airport. I said, I got recruited to play basketball and volleyball at Montana, but I really would like to go somewhere else. Can I come walk on? And she looked at me and said, you're a great athlete. You're not a very good volleyball player. So yeah, we would love to have you come walk on. And so having never been to the school, having never met the head coach, having never met any of the girls or even seen the university, I decided that was a great idea. (laughs) And so thankfully, I had two parents that were like, yeah, if that's what you want to do, you know, go for it. And that's kind of how my journey started. But surprisingly, it didn't go kind of the way I thought, even though I ended up earning a full ride scholarship, I was having a miserable experience. And my Mm. parents were like, we don't care about this volleyball thing. You're not going to be playing in a few years. You need to get a good degree. And uh, my older sister had gone to University of Virginia. She said, you should come, you know, to UVA. It's a really great school. Or there's this little school down south, William and Mary. Mm -hmm. You should check them out. And so I sent my VHS tape. Oh, wow. <laughs> with a hand type. Yeah, that, that's how, how I many, uh, mailed the tapes. What, what was your choice of transition script? Was it a star wipe or was it a dissolve? Like, what'd you have for the. Dissolve. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dissolve that, that one. <laughs> dissolve out, right? Yeah, exactly. And then when, she, when, she, when the coach got it, one day on my answering machine, I came home and I had a message and it said, this is Debbie Hill from the William and Mary volleyball program and you need to come to William and Mary. And I ended up transferring there and I really felt like I got the best of both 
San Diego State was the top 2015 program at the time. Yep. William and Mary academically was crushing it, is crushing it, still crushing it. And I got to do both. That's and awesome. that's what I'm telling parents. That's kind of the genesis of this book is there is no straight line and it's yeah. okay if it doesn't work out. In fact, it's probably for the best that things don't work out the way we like to project them because then we get a chance to test how bad do you want this? Yeah. And that's where kind of the whole journey started. I love that. And I, I'm a big fan of, first of all, your parents just choosing wisely of, you know, Montana is a great place to raise kids because it is. It's a fantastic place, period. I, I think also fortunate where they also had the same mentality of just like, this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote actually one of your clients who's a football player, your life, your choice, where it's just like, you know, this is just something that, you get to decide and get to decide on your own. And we obviously support you and care about you and but want you to do that. And I think it's beneficial too to, and it lends itself to, I mean, your book, kind of the work you're doing. So I appreciate you sharing that with us, with us today and for joining us. Like, thanks so much for being a, being a part of this. Cool. We're very excited. I know that we've, Marie and I have both tackled and jumped into the book and I think we can maybe just jump in right away. So I appreciate you giving us that U sports landscape here. I guess to start with all the many notes that I have. Mm -hmm. Let's start at where I think most parents want to ask, which is just how do I start? Like how do I instill this in, you know, in in my child who's maybe very young, let's say three to four, and we're starting to really like get a little more coordinated and want to play something. What are the key mm -hmm. things, maybe if you want to speak to the three Fs that are a great foundation for introducing their kid to sports? Yeah, so when they're young, and I know it depends on where you live. I live in Los Angeles now, so it's really hard because they wanting, they're wanting you to specialize super young. But my the best athletes I know, the best athletes in the world played multiple sports growing up. And so the later we can specialize, this research shows, the better the athlete. So I say anybody under 13, you should be focusing on the three Fs, which are friends, fun and fundamentals. Mm. So finding a coach and finding a program that isn't worried about the podium. I know that that's a really scary thought <laughs> and it's not all about winning, but it actually isn't. And yeah. I really believe every youth sports coach should be judged by one thing. How many kids sign up the next season? There you are. Because that will yeah. tell you how, what a good job you did. They mm -hmm. could care less. 20, 20 minutes after you've won or lost the trophy, it's ancient history. I play it again all the way through high school, all the way through college. I don't even remember most of the games that I played in college, but I remember how that coach made me feel. Yeah. I remember how valued I was on that team. Yep. And even if I was the worst on the team, I got to be, so I say, take your Z-level players and make them Xs. Take your mid-range, your M-level players and make them that's the goal. That's the John Wooden goal, which is yeah. to make everybody better than when they started. Mm. And parents, forget the fourth F, which is the one that we all <laughs> sign up for. And that's FOMO. <laughs> yeah, but you know that they're going to Sweden this summer. Well, did you know they already have a trainer? I was, I was speaking in Dallas this weekend and this woman was hysterical and she's like, okay, I have a five-year-old and my husband is paying for, for, you know, she goes, he can't, he doesn't even know what a soccer ball is, but we're, we've got one-on-one -on -one personal training coaching sessions because my son, my husband is just certain that my son's going to be the next Pele oh boy. or Ronaldo or whatever, David Beckham, you pick him, Right. So like, Forget about the FOMO, stay in your lane, figure out what your family values are. You want to go on vacation? You want to go spend a month with grandma camping in the backyard? Do you want to, you know, just let them be a kid? There's a novel idea. Like, then don't start worrying about what team and what level at what age they're at. Because eventually, genetics catch up. As my husband likes to say, you can't teach height. So, you know, if your kid is meant to be, you know, one of the better basketball players and he's five foot five, there will be realities on what, you know, levels he can go to. But mm -hmm. what we want to teach them are grit, resilience, gratitude, attitude, how to win, how to lose, how to be a good teammate, how to have great body language. It's not about the podium. It's not about the trophy. It's about the life lessons that they're going to take with them 
long after the ball stops bouncing. Yeah, that that's so good. And I actually want to bring up two things. We just we just recorded with Rowdy Gaines, the Olympic swimmer, voice of swimming, iconic. And we asked him, well, two questions I think you'll find really interesting. The first is we asked him what his most memorable race was. This guy's won yeah. three Olympic gold medals. You would imagine it would be, you know, a moment One like that. Those. He immediately went back to a high school experience he had, and it was because of the team he was on, mm-hmm. the people he was around. And like, so that's one example. The second one, which absolutely blew my mind when he told us this, but in swimming, you can be like a U10 national record holder, have the fastest time. Like there is always going to be the fastest person. The fast, there's never been a U10 or below record holder that has ever made it to the Olympics. So like you can be the fastest in when you're 10, 11, 12, but there's never been one who has then gone on to be an Olympian. And that stat alone, like I was like, that is crazy, but it just goes Mm -hmm. to show like, Kids need to develop. They need to figure out what yeah. they want to do. They need to try things. They need to be going through all of these different things that make being a kid great. And, you know, mm-hmm. truly being a kid is getting out and playing and being around your friends and all the things you talked about. So I wanted to share those two things with you because I felt like you would you would definitely resonate with both of them. And they absolutely blew my mind when he told us so. Yeah. And I should be here just to plug my own book. So we should talk about that, Raising Empowered Athletes. But and... Hidden Potential by Adam Grant, who needs no help Mm. from little itty bitty me, but his (laughs) new book out called Hidden Potential Mm. is all about that. And Mm. he said, all the research shows that the prodigies who are identified young and early are not the ones Mm -hmm. who become successful later in life. And in fact, it's the characters, the characteristics that drive it's the long game. It's yeah. playing the long game. And we live in a culture of instant gratification and I want it now and we've got to be the best and I'm winning the trophy and my kid and the bumper sticker I'm putting on my car <laughs> and the school that my kid's going to. Like it's all about that. Parents, zip it. <laughs> Get out of their way. Yeah. You've got to check your own ego at the door. This is not about you. And again, I wrote the book not because I have all the answers. But because when I got to kick and chase at five and I was like, this seems nuts. Like, Mm -hmm. why are all of these parents thinking their kids going pro? Like, I don't, I I mean, or even playing through college, D1, less than 5%. I'm sure you talk about this all the time. Mm -hmm. We'll play D1, D2, D3, NAIA. This is not about the scholarship. If you think your kid's going to get the scholarship, if I tell you there's a 2% chance of rain today, are you carrying around an umbrella? <laughs> no, but yet we're planning our whole, you know, you only get 18 summers with them and we're mm. planning every summer, every vacation. We're not going to eat turkey this year because we need to be on a plane on the way to, you know, like there is nothing sacred anymore in our parent, you know, in that parenting world where, okay, we're just going to skip that one. But if I skip, then what happens? And he won't make the next team, you know, the FOMO sets in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it is wild, and I think the big thing about that is perspective because everybody has that mentality of like, when is my kid going D one? This is these are things that we've heard from so many people of who have been on the show where the they preach multi sport athletics. Like you need to like they need to try different sports. They have to. It's just it's foundational. And when it comes to specializing, that needs to, that conversation needs to happen later. And we can certainly talk about you know your view and what you wrote about in terms of specialization. I'm curious to the to the point of perspective. That's something that you preach in the book, and I've found that very refreshing and really helpful. But I think for all of us who live in a world where we are constantly pulled in 5,000 different directions in terms of our attention, because that's now the most valuable resource, it's no longer time, it's just our attention. How, what's a great way of keeping that perspective? What's a great way of sort of like grounding yourself and like pulling back and continually reminding ourselves to pull back a little bit when, in terms of that perspective? Is there a quote that is top of mind for you? Was there maybe an experience that stayed with you for a while that kind of helped you stay grounded when raising your kids? It's mm, a good question. Good question. It's really for me. A... It's just for me. Like, I, like <laughs> I need to know this. Asking so I for don't a give, friend. I don't go crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so I got. The, I know this right? guy. He already has gotten golf clubs for his, his daughter. Simone. What a weirdo! Yeah, his name's Simone. 
Well, there is a story in the book about a guy who did just that. And actually, it starts with me on the sidelines when my oldest was nine and my husband was coaching the team and all the parents are like running up and down the side of the court with the the scrum of basketball players, right? And there's a dad sitting next to me like this, like (laughs) leaning back, not even paying attention. And I'm like, what's with you? I need to know more about this. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, fifth kid. It's like... (laughs) So there's a story there. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. With the first kid, took him to the driving range. I love golf. He's going to love golf. We go to the driving range. He starts hitting the ball. Guy's like, pro comes over. Wow, he's got a very nice swing. Very natural. Boy, you should invest in lessons. Does this sound familiar? Yes. Okay, great. The next thing, we're having so much fun. We're going to the driving range all the time. Then we start playing. The next thing you know, we've got him on the junior tour. We're traveling around the country. Next thing you know, we're schlepping the other four kids with us and the wife and everybody's going on all these and we're having a great time. And then he's eight. We're still doing it. And he's 12 and he's still, we're still doing it. And at 15, 16, we win the lottery. Stanford comes calling and says, we're going to give you a full ride. And we're like, we are the best parents ever. We just nailed this, right? He's going to Stanford on a full ride. And he says, until about a month before he's supposed to leave, he says, mom and dad, I need to talk. I'm not going to Stanford and I'm never Mm. playing golf again. Now, I don't think he was a bad parent. I don't think there was any, he, you know, the whole time he was checking in and I, and chapter two is whose dream is it, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. and there are those parents, as we know, very famously, many who drove, this was a guy who was kind of saying, this is your dream. But what I am saying is keep checking in, offer them everything, yep. particularly when they're young. And then the best parenting advice, have 90 one minute conversations, not one 90 minute conversations. Mm. I have clients who say, but at eight, he said he wanted to play baseball for UCLA. So I'm just doing what he says he wants to. Well, my daughter's 17. She doesn't know what she wants for dinner, (laughs) much less what she wants to do 10 years from now. Right. Yet we hear a soundbite again Mm -hmm. with the best intentions. There is not a parent out there that's like, Ooh, I'm going to screw up my kid. Let me, let me just, you know, like I know that there's no ill will, but what we need to do is keep checking in to make sure it's still what they want. But what happened with this jump kid? He was like, you know, I'd already been a pro for 15 years by the time, you know, or whatever, 13 years by the time I got to college, I was done with it. Yeah. Which goes back to why do we not specialize? Because good athletes will pivot. And, and a lot of like my, both my sons are playing basketball and all the coaches that I've spoken to, I can teach them how to play basketball. I can't teach athleticism. I can't teach court sense. Mm -hmm. I can't teach, you know, how to read. My second son played soccer all the way to 13. He's a better basketball player than my first son who I couldn't pay to try to play a different sport. Right. Like, so you think we're doing him a favor, but burnout, injury, overwhelm. And then like you, what you can't predict is mental, like, I'm done. Yeah, this is not fun anymore. Yeah, I feel like we've talked to we've talked to a few people, and what that stands out. We talked to like a sports psych maybe a year ago now, and she said that the best thing that her parents ever did for her because she was someone who loved playing. I think it was volleyball and softball, and always loved that, and always was very dedicated to those two. And it was awesome to still have two, you know, so specializing in two essentially. But the one thing that her parents did after every, you know, season or half season was sat her down and said, you don't have to keep playing if you don't want to. And if you do want to keep playing, that's great. And we'll support you. And she was always like growing up, I'm sure as a kid, you're probably like, when you do really love the sport, you're like, yes, of course. Like mom could be so silly. And like, of course I want to be doing this. But as she looks back on it now, that's one of the things she said, I'm so grateful that they did that for me because when she got to college and she got injured, after that, she was like, I know it's okay if I'm not, I'm not my sport. Yep. I know it's okay if I don't play, if I'm not going to go back because her parents did that for her every season, even though they knew she was probably always going to say, I do want to keep playing. It's important to at least provide the space for, yeah. yeah, provide the space for sure. No, I think pressure testing 
And a lot of times what I see with the pro athletes, I had a, I think the one you were quoting earlier, Simon, he said his parents kind of always checked in to say, you know, you got to figure it out. It's not my journey. And he goes, mm-hmm. and not if, but when I got to my freshman year of football and every kid was second guessing why they were there, why they'd signed up for this. I called home and my mom was like, well, it's your choice. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, she's right. <laughs> Versus yeah. those who feel like I got to keep pushing. I got to keep making it, you know, about me. And mm-hmm. it's not about you. You know, you've got, you've got to get out of the way. There, well, there, and to another one of your points in the book too, there's so much empowerment there, especially when you get to the later points in their adolescence of trusting them, of saying like, I'm, I'll help like prompt. I'll ask you some questions to help you like maybe drive the ship here a little bit, but I'm not going to force you to make a decision or lead the witness by any means. It's just going to be, it's Derek Cox's parents that led that. It was just your life, your choice. And he's, he got to be, you know, an example you brought up a few times in the book and I now want to reach out to him particularly, but (laughs) I can connect you. He's amazing. Love that. Sincerely, that would, yeah. that would be amazing. He, I just, I, I appreciate that. I think that gets overlooked quite a bit. And I think even parents, for the most part, they have so much wisdom. And it's kind of like the the kid who is just like has every vein popping out of his head whenever like there's like a lesson that's about to be learned. And they're like, I want to tell you so badly <laughs> about this experience in my life or about how you can be better. And then you have to pull that back and realize that they're that you can have trust that they'll figure that out and they can they can steer the ship yeah. themselves. I, I really appreciated that in your book and, and pointed it out because I've been a victim of a lot of unsolicited feedback from <laughs> no. parental figures, maybe. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Bruce. Love you. We all you're, have. You're I fantastic. Mean, we, He's got yeah, wise have. words. He's just got so many of them. And I'm just like, okay, great. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, and he is a perfect example of what you were talking about earlier, Marie, which was he wasn't highly recruited. He only got recruited by one uh, William and Mary by a one double A school, and he had two other offers. And then he got to William and Mary, and he wasn't he wasn't being he wasn't on the depth chart to get an NFL contract. He was that guy that was you know he was the one that wanted to go the distance. Yeah. That and then he gets to the NFL undrafted, and he lasts seven years. The average athlete lasts about three. And mm-hmm. he says, I have the number of guys I know that ended up on my couch because they thought they won the lottery when they got drafted. So they blew through everything they got and they never really looked beyond what was in front of them at the moment. And he said, I lasted seven years because I really bought all in. And he goes, it wasn't until I was there that I had a nutritionist. They had a nutritionist come to the locker room and talk about what we're doing to our bodies with what we're eating, yep. how much we're sleeping, yep. what we're drinking. And when I interviewed him for the book, we met in Santa Monica for lunch and he ordered the cleanest meal I've ever seen. And I'm like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you having for lunch? And he goes, I still eat this way. And I'm like, wow. yeah, but you're not even competing anymore. You can eat whatever you want. Yeah. But he goes, I just adopted it. Yeah. Like that's a peak performer. Somebody yeah. who just takes whatever is put in front of them and goes, okay, this is going to make me better. I'm all in. He's a great example mm-hmm. of the value of a growth mindset of like always continuing to learn and always wanting to be better and knowing that, you know, never reaching that, I, that ego place where like, I know what I'm about. I know I'm great. I don't need to learn anything more. And I think there's so much value to that growth mindset. I think that's another question I wanted to ask you is what are some great ways parents and coaches, really anybody involved in youth sports can help to instill that in athletes? Cause there's really it's a great thing to teach young. It's hard to pick up later in life. So what are some things that parents, coaches can do? Model it. They're not listening to what you say. They're watching what you do. And Susie Walton, my co-host on the podcast, she's a parenting coach for 40 years, mother of Luke Walton and yep. you know, ex-wife of Bill Walton and raised four amazing athletic boys and now has been a parenting coach for 40 years. And she says, parents, those of you who are perfect, get off on the wrong exit every <laughs> once in a while. Like just make a mistake and show, oops, I made an oopsie kids. Did you see that? Yeah. I made a mistake. So that what we're doing right now is raising in them in this environment where, again, you get on the phone and you think everybody's life is perfect. Every, nobody makes mistakes. And this internal pressure that they all feel to have to get the trophy, to have to get the straight A's, to have to get into this school is crushing them and it's crushing us. So pick anything 
that you want to get better. And one of the other great athletes I had on the podcast is Danielle Scott. She went five time Olympian, mm. was went for volleyball. And then when she was done with volleyball, tried to get back onto the national team in basketball, even though she hadn't played it in 15 years, right? And when I interviewed her, eight-year-old daughter was learning the piano. And so she's like, I'm learning the piano too. And she's like, we are playing duets because she's so much better than I am. But she's <laughs> teaching me a lot. <laughs> like, best story ever. That's yeah, awesome. Here's a yeah. lifetime Olympian, right? Who's like, of course I know more than she does. She's only eight. She's yeah. total growth mindset, right? Yeah. Like, this is fun. I'm new. She's new. We can both grow and learn together. Yeah. yeah. And what a cool thing to see as a kid, like, you know, as you're growing up, you idolize your parents to yeah. some degree. I'm sure once you get a little older, that shifts for sure. But definitely when you're younger, your parents are like, they got it figured out. <laughs> they are living the perfect life. Whatever they're doing is what I should be doing. And to see them model failure and that not being a big deal would be so freeing, I'm sure, it's, but very yeah, challenging at the same time to allow yourself to do that and show you know vulnerability around your kids is probably not easy. And coaches too. Mm -hmm. We're yeah. all human. We all make mistakes. Mm -hmm. I just heard the story from a mom who the son had a great basketball game. He went over to a friend's house after the game. He like scored 25 points. He goes to the friend. They're shooting around in the backyard. The kid at late at night, the kid jumps up to try to block his friend's shot. He comes down, he breaks his foot on the, on the friend, not playing, not in a high stakes game. The coach gets to him and just starts chewing him out. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, like I get it. It's frustrating for the coach. Yeah. He's his best player. He's going to yeah. not have him. But what I would like to see is for that coach to, you know, circle back. Okay, fine. The emotions got the most of him. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I did not mean that. It was a stressful moment for me. Of course, what you what you know is that I'm, we're really going to miss you this season because, you know, now you've got to go get surgery and all of that. But I think that happens a lot too with the coaches where, again, they're human. They're also making errors, but we can all raise our hand and say, you know, Susie likes to say, I'd like a do-over. I'm sorry. I didn't handle that right. So mm. now you're modeling to this young man. Okay. He didn't handle it right, but he made it right by coming back to me and apologizing. Yeah. Yeah. Teaching that and giving the grace to not only yourself, but to others that that's going to happen in life. And, you know, you should also be able to accept that from others as well as give that to other people when it's when it's you. That, that's yeah, fantastic. I do want to shift a little bit. We obviously talked about kind of bringing up young kids and athletes and kind of the getting into sport realm of things. But obviously, there's also the conversation around high school level athletes. And there are, you know, there are athletes who want to go to college and are at the level to be recruited and who do play at a high level and they play high school sports, they play club sports. You've kind of, they've shown that they want to be invested in that. So you want to empower them, do all the things that they want. You want to help them navigate the college recruiting process. NIL now that's out there. How would you, or what advice would you say for that kind of specific demographic of kids who do or are going to make the next level? What can parents do to kind of support and help them in that process? Yeah, it's, as you know, it's so competitive, you know, post COVID now, you know, the numbers are that much harder because of the transfer portal. Last year's numbers were like 21,000 across all sports, less than half who go into the portal will find a place. But now you have college coaches saying, why would I recruit a high schooler? I can go into the portal and get a kid with two or three years yeah. experience and the stats to back it. So it's even that much more competitive. So how do you get in front of that? So it's, I, you know, I believe you need to find a coach, a club director, a high school coach, but somebody that's not you, parent, to help support and kind of be, I kind of like to compare it to buying a home. Yeah. You have a, you have a, you know, an agent who can be a broker who can help you. I mean, yes, you have to put together your film and you have to be reaching out, but there also needs to be a person or a lot of times it helps unless you're, if you're golf or you're swimming or there's somewhere it's the number. Yeah. Like if you hit the number, they're interested in you. So it might be as easy as sending in a tape and sending your stats, but for sports where there's, you know, again, more about relationships like basketball and volleyball and softball and some of these having another person that can be a, again, help you figure out. Cause again, a lot of parents are like, well, yeah, my kid's high D one. 
Okay, maybe not. Maybe they're D two. <laughs> maybe they're D three, right? So and that's okay. Make sure you're fishing. Yeah, and that's okay. And, that, and in fact, that's amazing, yeah. right? But make sure you're fishing in the right pond, right? Like yeah. make sure you're trying to go after what's reasonable versus you know you're setting your kid up for a lot of frustration and angst over you know like. But if you get in, and I and I've had division one or division, I actually had a division three volleyball coach, the NYU coach has been on my podcast several times. And he says, I truly believe for any child who really wants to play, there is an opportunity for her to play at the next level, but it may not be again, the level that you want it to be at, but you can find a home if there's a, if there's a plan behind it. But I think it's getting somebody, some resources to help you with that. And then it's getting, yeah, it has to be their dream. It yeah. has to be how much are they doing? And I do see parents all the time. Well, we emailed the coach and we, and I, I'm on his Instagram and you know, I know parents that are running their kids' Instagram channels or running their Twitter. They're wanting, so you have to question, is it really what they want or is it what you want? Yeah. That's a really good point. I think you also had a great, you had a great story around like kids' dioramas. And like parent, the teacher coming and going, if, if, I mean, I love how all these parents think that I can't tell who, <laughs> which one of these seven-year-olds made their diorama and which one had their parents help them out with perfectly like typed reports and double space. And I remember that and remember like reading that and loving the impact, like, because of course we want them to succeed. We want to help. And that's just the, and that's okay because it's a natural, just sort of like thing ingrained in our DNA. That's what we're supposed to do. But there are, there's a point where we just need to make sure that we pull back, even if it's like, even if their assignment's late or it's not good, then that's okay. Then it's a learning point, right? It's tough. It's rough when you can help and you can do these things. But kids, this is a really good point. I wonder if you could talk to this of kids and their resilience and how resilient they can be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the takeout. Athlete put in scientist, take yeah. out athlete put in artist, raising empowered, you know, again, what, whatever, whoever you're raising. And again, I like to say parent the child you have, not the one you yeah. wish you had. And that's what a lot of parents are like, I guess, of course, my kid, I would love it if my kid was the best on the team, but his or her skill sets might not be pointing against that wall and you trying to shove them up that ladder if that's not who they're meant to be. And the story is, yeah, true story. We had just moved to San Diego and my my middle son was seven years old in first grade. And I gather at the Panera with a couple of the moms. And before with the meet, the meeting for the picnic starts, did you do the book report? Have you done the book report? And I thought, (laughs) gosh, we had to do a book report for this meeting. Yeah. I was like, no, I didn't do the book report. They're like, no, no. Mrs. Cunningham, how's you everybody do a book report? And, you know, you're behind. And so I go home to, you know, my Parker and I'm like, Parker, have you done the book report? He goes, I don't know. I'm like, have you read the book? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, all right, well, let me know if you need any help. And sure enough, three weeks later, I'm in Miss Cunningham's class and we're walking around and all these dioramas are hanging and I find Parker's all the way in the back <laughs> corner and like crayon and like globs of glue are hanging off of it and, you know, misspelled words. Parker, well done. And, well done. Good use. Well, yeah. Yeah. Good job, seven-year-old. And she comes over to me just laughing and like she could read my mind. She's yeah. just like, some people don't think I can tell you do the work. <laughs> You know, and then you see this one that's like perfectly typed, perfectly, you know, yeah. 24 font, you know, like not a spelling error, parents. And so that's my point is like, again, it's not about perfection. Yeah. And he got the C or whatever the plus or whatever he needed to get because that's what he earned. Yeah. And then flash forward to high school, lo and behold, we have the same thing going on with the chemistry report. And he comes home at dinner and he's like, wow. Dave did a really great job on his report and it was three, threefold and all this research. And I said, buddy, wow, you did a great job. He goes, I didn't do that. My mom does that. She likes to do that. And you're missing the whole point. And then you read Julie Lethcott Hames, how to raise an adult, you know, five years from now, they're also the ones that are moving in across the street from Stanford because they, you know, the kid won't get their own Amazon package off the porch. So they have to hand deliver it. Yeah. Like you're not giving them a chance to fail, to figure out, to learn and to grow. That's what our job is. Put the guardrails up. It's like the bowling alley. Yeah. You can put the bumpers up, mm. but let the ball roll down towards the pins. If they're only supposed to knock one over, 
well. Yeah. You can mm-hmm. try again. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, because some of the best memories or some of the most impactful memories, I think, from my childhood, I think Marie would probably say the same thing, where it's just like the ones that you remember the lessons being taught by your parents. And it's usually those moments where like we were given the freedom to, you know, fall or fail. And then we get to learn the lesson and it means, it means the world. So it's important to keep top of mind. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. I feel like it's like when a kid, when a kid falls and they don't cry until they see their parent is worried and then they cry because their parent is like showing so much concern. I feel like that it's like that magnified in like real life situations. It's like kids are typically more like able to get over things, very resilient. And we talk about it too, like with youth sports, the beauty of, I mean, there's so much great things about youth sports, but one of the biggest ones I think is that like, it's one of the only places you can fail a bunch of times. And at the end of the day, it truly doesn't really matter. And to learn that and to feel comfortable failing and to be in an environment where you're going to fail and have to work through that, the adversity of that, I think is just invaluable. And it's, there's very few places in life that you get that true at at that level. So, and parents, it's great for them to fail while they're with you, like get them so that you can be there to pick them up and dust Mm -hmm. them off and say, what do you want to do different? Okay. That didn't go the way you planned. So what now what, Yeah, you know, not trying to control everything so that they never taste that because they will, or they'll move back into your basement and they'll never leave. I mean, but I would think that the goal is to get the door swinging one way (laughs) and to launch them into being able to be, you know, self-sustaining. I had a mom, you know, her son played water polo from age 10 all the way through high school, senior year. She came up to me in tears at at a meeting at the high school. And she said, he just found out he got cut from the water polo team. Mm-hmm. He's been with that coach since he was 10. He saw the na- the names on the list. And I don't know what I'm going to do. All of my identity is through water polo and all of his mm. is through water polo. Mm. So we chatted and well, three months later, I see her again. And she says, he took to diving. He goes, he, he was on, tried out for the diving team like the next week. She goes, <laughs> he moved on. So to your point about resilience, yeah. Get out of their way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they will pivot if you allow them to. What mm-hmm. happens is we get so upset about it. We keep, you know, but let them to let them to go. Wow, that sucked. And look what I got out of it. Yeah, you can acknowledge that it sucks and that there's emotion behind it, and that is also okay. Like, yes, this does suck, and yes, it is upsetting, and yes, we can have emotions about it. And what are we going to do differently or what's the next thing we're going to do? And being able to like work through that, I think is so important too. Sorry, Simon. Absolutely. No, you're good. I was, I wanted to touch on one of the things that, you know, we, there's so much gold in here in this book around just like great parenting advice, regardless of like raising good athletes, just raising good people in general. I want to, I want to tell you that I, I really enjoyed reading this and I appreciate you putting this, putting this in this book. I wanted to ask you just around how, a love for a sport can be extinguished by so quickly by a bad coach. So I think, you know, Marie, you and I had both experienced something similar to that. And I wanted to ask from a different lens, like maybe even from a parent, like how to tackle that with your kid or like, and especially two Mm. coaches out there, like how to make sure you don't extinguish a love for a sport. Yeah. This one's near and dear to my heart as well. Thank you for the plug. And I didn't even pay him. He actually really likes the book, which is amazing. So thank you. So my, that happened to my middle son. I'm grateful that he had two sports. He played both with equal fervor and passion all the way from literally, you know, played basketball starting at, I don't know, four or something silly all the way up. And soccer, he loved equally. And we moved to Los Angeles and basically AYSO had run its course. And they said, you have to play club. And he got on a team with a coach that was punitive and Mm. demeaning and did a lot just to try to let them know that he was smarter than they were, yelling at the other ref, the refs, yelling at the other coaches, yelling at the other parents, yelling at all the kids. And I'll never forget, at 13, I drive the minivan up to the soccer field, the last tournament of the season, 8 a.m. in the morning, and he was weeping. And I said, what is going on? And he said, please don't make me get out of the van. <laughs> and I thought, I am an awful parent, right? Like, wh- wh- how? How mm-hmm. can this 
possibly be, and of course I have the, we finish what we start going on. And yes, parents, that is what I do believe. You should finish whatever you start with one caveat, any type of abuse that Mm -hmm. is leading your child's inner sense of who they are. And again, if it's, if it's about playing time, suck it up, buttercup. Like that's, that's thought you have control over that. Mm -hmm. There are things you can do. It's not fun. And I've had a kid who didn't play a whole year. She was on the roster, but she was the last one on there. But that's normal. But something that's being, again, punitive. And coaches, again, I think there's so much pressure now. Their ego is tied to the win. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so they think, if we're not winning, then I suck. And I'm mm-hmm. sorry. 13-year-old boys, that is not what this is about. Yeah. This is yeah. about teaching them, again, lessons to be a kinder, gentler, more aggressive, more better learner, all of all mm-hmm. of the growth mindset tools. And my son literally has never ever touched a soccer ball since that day. And so it's a very yeah, it's very I don't know, it can be and I had a similar issue same growing up had one coach that really wanted to, you know, go after me and I get it. They're under a lot of pressure too. So I'm not blaming the coaches. I think we, but that's what I hope the book is, the conversation so that we can all discuss and talk about what it is we want to get out of the experience. Yeah. And I mean, I do think to your point, you know, coaches are a level of a youth sports organization. We of course talk to organizations who, you know, presidents and admins, people who are kind of like setting the culture of a club and of an organization. And I think it's so important though, as well, yes, to some degree, and depending on who you are in the club, you are, there is results do matter to some degree. We're not saying that they don't, but there is also a level in which you can provide your coaches with the resources and the like backup to say, it's not everything though. You're also being not judged, but you're also being watched for doing all of these other things, right? And I think that is an important conversation to have that, you know, most times coaches are a certain way because that's what they learned from whoever that they learned how to be a coach from. And so it's it starts sometimes even higher up than that, but it does also take a coach to decide what kind of coach they're ultimately going to be. And I do, I also do want to say, applaud you as a parent. I there's probably a lot of kids though who wouldn't feel comfortable even telling their yeah. parent that or you know being okay saying I can't do this or I'm not comfortable going and I think it's a testament to you and the culture that you created in your family to say like come to me mm-hmm. tell me what's happening if there is something that's going on like this is a safe space for you to tell me that that's unfortunately not always the case and I think it's an important lesson as part of that story as well so I don't think you're a bad parent because you were you let him there. I think it was a good yeah, parenting yeah. that got you to the place where he felt comfortable enough to tell you that. Thank you. I mean, it was one of those moments though that just guts you. And you I mean, it just is so the antithesis of what you're signing yeah. up your kid to play sports before, right? Is mm-hmm. okay, you want them to learn lessons, but not to the point that it crushes their spirit. And ironically, I it took me seven years to write this book. So this was about seven years ago, and I was so I was working on this book and I I said, uh, then I got a lead. So I wrote him an email and just said, you know, we're not going to be coming back. And here's why. And I said it in a very nice way. And he picked up the phone and yelled and screamed at me. He said, you, who do you think you are? You can't, your kids can't, they're too soft. They can't handle this. Well, I was like, okay, wow. And then a week goes by and he emailed me. He said, can we get on the phone again? And I said, sure. And he said, I have to apologize. Mm. I was triggered by what you said. And he goes, and ironically, I wasn't coached this way. Mm. <laughs> he said, my dad, he's oh. British. And he goes, I grew up in playing soccer for my dad. And my dad is the antithesis of this. Mm. So I don't know what's happened to him or what, yeah. you know, whatever I, we lost touch, but I would like to think, and again, that's what this book is. It, it is not all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I have not done it perfectly, but mm-hmm. I think if we can shine a light on some of these you know, stories that, you know, no, I never hired a skywriter to fly a flag yeah. over my kid's baseball game that says fire coach Smith <laughs> and coach Kowalczyk. Right. And I think most of us can say, yep, never did that. But <laughs> hopefully you can go, okay, well, maybe me yelling at the other team, like against the other team yeah. and their six is probably not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's important to call out here too, is that 
you've written something that's delivered in such a way of humility and common sense with case studies, with statistics, and just mm-hmm. good, solid, common sense parenting that's really impactful and helpful for anybody who's just starting this journey. So I, you know, I do want to say it's certainly not, I'm better than everyone else. It's more of just like, here's what I've learned. Use this if it works for you. And I appreciate that. And I certainly would throw, if I had any kind of stamp or book club or whatever, I'd (laughs) throw it on here for sure for you. There we go. Let's get a little (laughs) sticker. Where can people find Raising Empowered Athletes? It's everywhere books are sold, basically everywhere online. Amazon is the one. If you want to get it by tonight, you can go there, (laughs) but you can also support all your local independent bookstores, which I love. It's also on Audible. And then it has been selling so well. My publisher reached out and said they're going to come early with the paperback, which will be coming out in the next few weeks. And I looked the other day and it's already pre-sales, already have it up there towards the top. So congrats! um, I would appreciate anybody going on to buy and share. I am speaking around the country. Like that's what 2024 is going to be for me is getting in front of schools and talking to parents, talking to athletes and coaches, talking to administrators to get this word out. And I have different messages for different audiences, but inevitably, whenever I speak, when I talk to the parents, they say, I wish the kid would have, my kid would have heard this and the opposite. And I do feel like it's something that if we all can have the tools and we know better, we do better. Yeah. And it can be, again, some of these tools I use because I needed them. So it's like, <laughs> and then it can become a way to deflate, you know, situations with your own kids who are, you know, you're going through it and it's emotional and we're competitive and we want to win. This is not like, Ooh, everybody's just gonna, mm-hmm. we're just happy to be here. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank oh, you. And you can find me at kirstenjonesinc.com. Oh, yes is my website. Sorry, make a little plug for the website, but yeah. that's where all my podcast is as well. You can follow along. I've got a sub stack where I'm sending out weekly newsletters with parenting advice and tips and yeah, reach out. I love to hear from parents and hear from athletes all the time. We're sure going to add you to awesome. the, to the list of newsletters, like between you and Amoe and, you know, other guests we've had, we've got a nice little stack of newsletters and tribal knowledge is happening here. Please. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we will, as part of this too, you were gracious to send us four extra copies of the book. So we will be giving those away to people who are listening. So if you're listening right now and you are loving what you're hearing, there's probably 10 times the knowledge stories information that you can get. (laughs) So we'll include all the links Kirsten mentioned in the show notes and also how you can enter to win one of the copies that we can give away. So with that... Thank you so much. You have written a fantastic book. You host a fantastic podcast. We have very much enjoyed talking with you. And hopefully uh, this is not the last time we'll do that. Maybe you'll be our first repeat podcast guest where we can just have, you know, regular conversations about all the things. We're just going to talk Montana, all things Montana. It's our new (laughs) podcast (laughs) called People Who Miss Montana. People Who Wish They Lived in Montana Still. Yeah, We're all on it. Would it be fun if you ever get people to email questions in, we can yes. do like a, yeah, a little, Q&A. you know, just ask, yeah, a little, ask, that's ask actually Coach a better Kirsten idea. And I'll come on. Yeah. Better idea. And, if you submit because that's a question, I, if you submit a question yeah. to our email address or to one of our social handles and we like your question, <laughs> you'll win one of the books and then we'll answer it. We'll get her back on and we'll do that. That's a fantastic idea. I like that. Yeah. That's cool. That's perfect. Thank you, Marie. Thank you, Simon. This has been so fun. Well, hold on. Now it's time for the this or that gauntlet. We got 10 rapid fire questions and we need rapid fire answers. Okay. (laughs) So much pressure. So much. So much pressure. Okay. I'll take odds. I'll take odds this time. All right. Switch it up. Here we go. Well, actually, I already know her first one because we did the a little audio oh, check God. and I said it, but I'm going to say it anyways for dogs. the good people. Dogs. Yep. Cats dogs. or dogs? <laughs> dogs, go. All right, next. <laughs> All right. Number two. Nacho, nachos or soup? Nachos. Is it pronounced gif or jif? Gif. Chocolate milk, syrup or powder? Chocolate milk. No, yeah, uh, I know. But syrup or powder oh, chocolate oh. milk. <laughs> Always syrup. And it's much better. And much richer. Interesting. Powder. That's fair. Yeah. Like yeah. it. All right. Ooh, this is a good one, Simon. This is new. Would you rather you. explore deep space or the depths of the ocean? This feels very intense. 
I know. I mean, seeing what just happened a couple months ago under the water, I don't think I want to do that. Yeah, I want none of so that. I guess I, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I guess I'll go space. We're, we're going to Mars. <laughs> we're going. All, All aboard. Right, uh, superpower time. You can rewind and fix one mistake or have the ability to see into the future. Hmm. I mean, you can make more money if you can see into the Well, I guess you could also do that with either, right? So, mm-hmm. which of course we know means you'll be happier in the of long course. run. Not. Of course. I guess I would, yeah. I, I Back guess to the I future, would like right? to see the future. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole fraud of the movie. Okay. Would you rather go on a beach vacation or a mountain retreat? You might know this because you go. Yeah, I usually beach. But I love the mountains. I don't know. Yeah, beach. I'm going to go beach. But I okay. live near the beach. I guess I should go to the mountains. Yeah, there you go. Montana. I Hello. Know. I like both. Travel. I'm all about travel. Take me anywhere. I'll like go it. anywhere. Like it. All right. Winter or summer Olympics? Summer. Very nice. Big one coming. Okay, would you LA rather... 2028. That's right. I was going to say... I guess we go to Paris. Paris yeah. first. M- minor detour. Would you rather hold a world record or be a world champion? Hmm. I'm pondering that one. Uh, I, not, I don't know. Uh, world record? Like it. I guess. <laughs> I don't right. know. No, it's good. These, hey, we, we're trying to ask, you know, the really random rapid fire hard questions. Yeah. All right. Final one here. What's a better game winning point feeling? Serving an ace or a lengthy back and forth rally? B. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to battle, mm. battle to bond, and you got to go the distance. <laughs> and when you clamp them or pound it straight down or shoot that, no, for sure. Gotta feel great. Be, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Fair. There's nothing better than an intense <laughs> how'd I, rally. How did I do? Forth. Hey, you did 10 for 10. 10 for 10. Absolutely. Do I win? Do I win anything? Your voicemail on my answering machine or anything? If you want you one of for. our honey dulcet tones on your voicemail, I, you know, we'll volunteer for that I for sure. I think I might need that. <laughs> we'll have our people talk to your people. There we go. There we go. Awesome. <laughs> Kirsten, thank you so much for hopping on. Thank you so much for spending your time with us and being a part of this here today, we'd like to leave the floor, you know, to our guests to, you know, say really anything they want to say, whether this is a quote, whether it's a story, whether it's, you know, really whatever. So the floor is yours. Close us out. Yeah. I would say, again, the reason I wrote the book is not, is helping parents and athletes. And what I am passionate about is I believe we all have things that get in our way. We all have things that trip us up. I'll do things that we can't quite figure out why we did it. But when you can shine a light on it, identify it Mm. and help get rid of it, we can move forward. I love helping people who are interested in doing that because I believe every single person here has a gift. It it may not be to score the winning basket or to win win the match, but it could be much greater than that. And it could have much more lasting impact. So when we as parents allow our children to have the experience that they're destined to have, whether it's in the limelight or not, then we truly get to help them become who they are meant to be. Well said. Amazing. Let's let that, so let's let that answer ring and <laughs> let the goosebumps leave for a second. Kirsten, <laughs> thank you so much for being part of this. this is, yes, this is thank you. Cool. Awesome. For the first episode back in the new year i think that i think that was a good one i think that could not have gone much better i think she is amazing and wrote an amazing book and Mm -hmm. we had an amazing conversation and that is all just very amazing to me can't ask much more than that for sure that's your that's your feedback that's my feedback (laughs) 10 out of 10 would recommend to a friend so hopefully my friends listen to this I can't think of anything else to leave it with, but maybe just even like quoting Derek Cox's parents, like we talked about. Dear listener, mm. your life, your choice, you're in control here. Thank you for hopping in. Thank you for listening to another episode of For the Love of Sports. As always, this is brought to you by Sports Engine, the home of you sports. And if you have any questions, if concerns, maybe future categories for Game Master Joe, please feel free to hit us up at ftlospod at nbcuni.com or at sportsengine.com. Yes. 
newly found out that you can do either email address and that it's just totally fine with us or hit us across any of our social channels. We would love to hear from you. But this podcast would not be possible without our two producers, Joe and Kelsey, who you will be getting to know a little bit better here in the coming episodes. And of course, Troy Stone, our wonderful sound engineer, who is behind the scenes each and every episode, making us sound good and making the episode flow. We'll be back very soon with a whole nother episode and we simply cannot wait to see you then. See you soon. Bye-bye. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet? Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.